0: Hello and welcome to Makers Dev episode number 10. Chris, we made it to 10 episodes. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, most podcasts, I don't actually know numbers on this, but I imagine most podcasts don't make it to 10 episodes and we did it. I've been going for
1: more than the last
0: 10 weeks. Uh I'm I'm very proud of us. Good job us.
1: Yeah, we actually did a thing and followed through. Imagine. <laughs>
0: we- <laughs> Yes. Uh not just not just stuck in the infinite like starting project space, but like we're doing this and sticking with it and continuing with it. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I, I love it. One of the reasons I love it is that this last week I had separate conversations with three different people who listen to this podcast. Uh, that were like continuations of conversations of things that we've had here, and oh my gosh, what a fantastic illustration of the benefit of having conversations in a syndicatable, shareable way. That uh, these are conversations we probably would have been having anyway. Uh, maybe we're having them a little bit more regularly because we have the structure of having a podcast. But I had conversations with, uh, also known as Cubit. I don't know if I'm giving away his alias online. <laughs> I might, I might need to censor that. Uh but he we had a great chat about uh the timestamping tool for YouTube videos that I've done. He's he's been doing a bunch of that just like on his own for fun, time stamping other people's videos and I got him onboarded on my beta thing and he's very uh patient with alpha software and so is very forgiving of like the the bugs that there are early on and is getting value from it. Like he's he's been using my thing to timestamp things. So that's that's an interaction that would not have happened if we didn't have this podcast. Uh, Also had a short interaction with Johnny Tong on Twitter, uh, talking about the the cam head thing of that he really likes the animation that I said no one would care about it. He was like, (laughs) Yes, I care about it. That looks very nice. And that that made me feel really good. Uh, So that was a great like, positive signal from the universe. Uh, Also, uh, Martin Garnett said on Twitter, uh, amazing how quick you're pumping out this video stuff, and that he's been following us on makers that makes me feel great. So it's, it's so cool. Of like, <laughs> our audience from a from an internet perspective is not that big. But thinking about it in terms of like, if I could mentally simulate right now that we were having this conversation on stage in front of an audience, and there were, uh, I haven't checked the numbers recently, but like, I don't know, 30 people in the audience that were listening to us have this conversation. That'd be amazing. And it's like, we're, we're having this just, it feels like a regular Skype call. So I'm, I'm not getting myself psyched out about it. Uh, but oh, I, I, I love doing this. I love that we started it. Uh, being able to have this podcast and a, a way to share the things that I'm thinking about and the things that we're working on uh has been great this i'm gonna continue this and double down on it and uh i love the interactions i'm having with people if if you're a listener of makers.dev i love interacting with you please reach out uh (laughs) made my day (laughs) the last few times i chatted with people Mm -hmm. who are listening to uh to this podcast uh what are your thoughts on that how uh, do do you feel like you've seen benefits from interacting with people of uh doing the show apart from just like it's tying you to the mast of having regular conversations and uh getting your work done
1: yeah, yeah, it's it's really unique. Podcasts are unique because they, you know, they basically pump your voice into someone else's ears for an hour, you know, every week or something, and it's it's just a different it's a different type of interaction. I I felt this before, like so when I did my first real big Twitter thread um, about learning React, it was like you know like learn React in ten tweets that got shared like a lot, and now I think the impressions are like up to a million impressions or something oh, like that, amazing. which is insane. It's like it's as crazy what the internet can do, like how it can, you know, spread, uh, just, you know, virally like that. And and then, yeah, so that's, that's people, you know, who I've reached who I would never have reached otherwise. And, um, yeah, the podcast is just a different version of that. Um, and like you said, it's, it's a lot smaller than that, but it's also more, it's like a more, um, uh, it's, it's, a more, it's an interaction that, uh, is, is, more has a lot more fidelity because it's just, you know, it's us talking. And so, and then we can carry over those conversations to real life, like you said. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just really neat.
0: I love it. Uh, I need to, like, I'll I'll link your thread with a million impressions about React in the show notes. Uh, I had a similar thing this morning with along the lines of like this video pipeline that I'm pushing out. There was a podcast that I was on uh, like two weeks ago. There was this hour, hour and a half long interview. Uh, and I was chatting with someone on Twitter about uh, no code and the the idea that everyone should learn to code uh and the because doing this podcast was fresh in my mind i extracted a clip from the the bigger podcast where i was talking about this concept and ran it through my pipeline and that's just getting more and more smoothed out every single time i use it uh was able to like get the clip of the exact part and then say transcribe it and edit those and get that done and you know, the whole thing took like i don't know 10 minutes from from the idea of like oh i think i said something about this on that podcast too okay i have the video finished and uh i can pump it out and i posted that on twitter this morning and forgot about it and like two hours later i looked at my notifications and had like 20 notifications I was like whoa what's this <laughs> and there it, it has like a thousand impressions now and that's nuts of like a thousand people looked at this thought that i had on this podcast that would have just been lost to the ether of this this idea that i had uh and now a thousand people have watched it and uh, hopefully presumably benefited from it that's so cool and so from like oh my god a million impressions i can't i can't like picture what a million people looks like that's how many people is in a stadium like a hundred thousand it's like ten stadiums of people have seen that tweet and that content and, and presumably benefited from it in some way like oh man that's it's, it's just such a cool concept uh and thinking about it in that way for me is so much healthier than trying to compare it to benchmarks of other people of like oh well you know you don't have as many followers as this person or you didn't get as many impressions as this person well does that really matter if if, if you're measuring things on the scale of like have you helped people and and uh uh, trying to pull it back to, okay, if this, if this was happening in real life, uh, how many people have you helped? So all of that to say, uh, I love this podcast. This is so much fun. Uh, I look forward to continuing it in 2021. And again, thank you for being the inspiration to, to start this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited to continue it too. Um,
0: i'd love to get into your stuff uh you tweeted this morning that slack was down and that a possible sure alternative was. for people to use is async.dev that, very opportunistic of you very clever love it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how's that how's that going this I, that just happened this morning i don't know if you like keep numbers on things or have uh, analytics that can show how, how that's going. You, you had a ton yeah. of impressions a uh, ton yeah. of interactions with it
1: yeah yeah um so i almost didn't tweet it i was like oh slack's down weird um and then i was like maybe i should say something um and <laughs> i did uh so last i looked over like 200 people clicked the link which is which is awesome um, Amazing. that i think a lot of people are just like oh what's this uh it, it actually it turned into three or four people signing up which is interesting fantastic so now i should reach out to those people um or, or i already have actually reached out to some of them um yeah i'm going to talk about this more in my update but i'm really trying to figure out what to do because um for example all those people saw it Uh, they, I got a lot of positive feedback about it, but that is not the same thing as them being, you know, ready to try out a Slack alternative, you Mm. know, um, and especially not being, uh, ready for like their company to try it out. It's the exact same thing that Derek, uh, Reimer ran into when he was building level. And so I'm just really, really cognizant of that lately. Um, how I might be getting all these positive signals, but that doesn't necessarily turn into anyone actually signing up or using it. And so, um, Mm. yeah, so I'd love to talk about that, uh. Let's see what else I, can, I guess I can give the rest of my update. Um, I purposely did not code on Meeting Place or Async over the break. Um, hmm. I did a lot of thinking, uh, like we talked about last time. I did some more, and then I also I just tried out and played with WebRTC. It was the first time I'd really done that. Oh. Um, I <laughs> I bought a new domain name, which <laughs> I I shouldn't have done, but um, I actually only did it because I thought to do what I had to do. I had to have a custom SSL certificate on a domain name, but it mm. turns out you can use WebSockets and WebRTC on just like the regular free Heroku plan, as long as you just use the Heroku app domain. Mm. Um, so I didn't need to buy a domain name to try that out. Uh, Heroku app uh, works just fine. Um,
0: what What was the domain yeah. name that you bought?
1: Uh, I, I bought audio room.dev. That means- um, <laughs> that's yeah, a, that's so- a cool domain name. Yeah, yeah. And it was 12 bucks, right? So um, You're cornering
0: you're the market on these .dot .dev domain names. That's a... <laughs> I know.
1: There's a lot of single-word dev, dev domain names still still hmm. left. Uh, but um, I, I think, like, yeah, yeah, there's some really cool dev domains still left. Um, yeah, anyway, so, but yeah, I got WebRTC working for the first time ever, which is really neat. So now, like, I have a thing where you can go and you can connect to anyone in the world uh, and talk to them. And it's completely over the internet. Uh, stun and turn work. Uh, I can explain how WebRTC works if you want, but stun and turn are um, basically allow you to punch through firewalls. And so, uh, yeah. And so it's just really cool. Um, so this is a skill that I have now. Which so WebRTC is something I thought about using on Async or Meeting Place or both. Uh, and so I just wanted to try it out, and I did, and it works, and that's really neat. So
0: fantastic. Also amazing that the technology exists that you can just add video conferencing or audio calls to an app and that's that's become sort of a commodity. Uh what a, what a fun time to be alive. Uh I would actually love a high-level overview of WebRTC. This is something that I there, there's a lot of uh things that I sort of want to build that, that would be cool to add video chatting or audio functionality to like in my media pipeline I'm, I'm very happy with riverside right now and i'm sure at some point there's going to be something about this platform that's annoying to me that like I'm, i want to be able to have a webhook of when an interview is finished it can feed into other stuff uh that like if, if i could reduce the difficulty of building audio and video chatting uh i'd love to do and also things i've thought about just for fun of like being able to have virtual movie nights, I'm not really happy with any platform that exists of being able to to watch a movie with someone. There's there's like Chrome extensions that if both if everyone has a Netflix account, the Chrome extension will sync up the Netflix video. And like I don't want to do that. I don't want to have a movie night and say, all right, to join to be my friend, you have to have a Netflix Correct. account. Uh, so if I could, I, I already have a thing built that can sync up the video. And right now we're chatting through a different platform, and I would love to be able to say like, "Oh, you know, you just go to this URL, and audio and video chatting are are baked into it." Uh, How does WebRTC work? I'm I'm confused as to why you need uh, another server. My impression of it is that it's it's peer to peer, and that the the whole point of it is that you don't have a a central server.
1: Yeah. So um, so there's a couple different types of servers you might need. So the first thing is that WebRTC is peer to peer but you have to first, like those peers don't know about each other. And so the first thing is, it's called a signaling server and that's just your server. Um, and so y- both of these peers are connected to your server and you wanna get them connected to each other. So the mm. first thing you have to do is basically get the information from one peer over through your server to the other peer and then get their information back to the other one. So that's what you need your server for, right? Um,
0: you say their information, this is, uh, this is metadata or this is like the actual audio and video stream?
1: No, not the actual audio and video stream. Okay. They're like where in the world they are. Um, okay. and now that's kind of complicated because it's not just an IP address, right? If they have a public IP address, then it can be that. And that's the most basic case. Like they have a public IP address and so it's their public IP address. Sure, no one's mm-hmm. gonna
0: have that though. That, that would be ridiculous. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so the second case is you go through something called a stun server, which okay. is, these are free mostly. So like Google and Mozilla both have them. Twilio has one, which is the one I'm using. Um, and what that is, it's basically, what is my public IP? And so it goes through their network path to get their public IP, and crucially, the, the, the path through that network back to them. And so that's wrapped up in something called a peer description. And so like basically, how can you reach me on the internet? And so that goes through your server to the other peer. Um, that's called an offer. And then like an offer to connect and then they send back their peer description. So while I talk to the stun server, get their peer description, send that to you. Okay. So now you both have offers to connect. Um, Then you try to connect Uh, or well, you send an answer and then you try to connect Um, for like something like 80%, 80 to 90% of people. That's all you'll need is like, if you have nothing weird with your network, then you'll be able to connect. And at that point, the peers are completely connected. And you technically don't need your server anymore to transfer the streams. Um, So that's when it's like super, that's like the super nice case because then bandwidth isn't going through you at all, which means as long as the the two peers or multi-peers is what I built. So I built, you can connect any number of people together in like a mesh network. Um, Amazing. Yeah, right. it broke my brain a little bit trying to figure out all of the the signaling stuff, but yeah, basically I have to connect every peer to every other peer and then it works. Um, Yeah, so that's the great case. If, though, you're like behind a weird firewall, or especially like an enterprise settings, or I think actually my internet service provider does this too, like it does stun, regular stun doesn't work, Mm -hmm. then you use something called turn. And what turn does is that actually sends all the data through a server. And so you can run your own turn servers, but I didn't want to do that. So I'm using Twilio's turn server, um, which, you know, and this costs money, because you have to actually send the data through their server. And so what it does is it acts like a relay. And so it goes through the, the you know both peers connect to the turn server and then the data goes through the turn server and so now it's actually not peer-to-peer anymore it's peer-to-peer through this turn server okay. um, so that is where it can get expensive because you know if you have lots of people connected pushing video then it goes through this turn server it costs so if you use twilio's it's 0.4 uh i say 40 cents per gigabyte um which is pretty high as far as bandwidth goes. You can run your own, it, like DigitalOcean is one cent per gigabyte. So if you run your own turn server, you can get it pretty cheap. Yeah. So, so, so that's uh, an overview basically. So yeah, it, for the most cases, 80 to 90% of cases, after you connect, you can do peer to peer. That's fine. In 10 to 20%, you have to run it through your servers, which can get very expensive if you're doing like high def video. Did
0: I hear you correctly that Twilio for their turn server charges 40 cents per gigabyte? And yep. DigitalOcean for bandwidth is a cent per gigabyte. Yeah, that is that's if if my math is correct, that is forty <laughs> times more. Um, it is. Um, what is Twilio doing to justify that forty times yeah. more cost? So,
1: yeah. So for one, they run the Turn servers for you. So Turn is not trivial to implement, and so there are open source versions of it, but it's not like trivial. Um, second, they have it all over the world. So it's really important that these turn servers be close to whoever is running the information through them or else they get really horrible latency. So like Mm -hmm. you can imagine, you know, we're in the U.S. If the turn server was in Russia or something, Mm they don't have to go all the way across the world and back. Um, And that's uh, bad. So -hmm. they run turn servers all over the world. Uh, And then they have like fail safes and all that stuff. And so to replicate what they have, you would have to be running, you know, at least a dozen or two dozen servers with fail safe backups and, and, you know, hot swapping replication and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's it's basically just a it's kind of like AWS, right? AWS is more expensive than running your own servers at scale, but not in the in the you know for the solo developer. Basically, it's okay. Yeah.
0: Okay, interesting. From a from a business perspective, is forty cents per gigabyte negligible? Is that I'm thinking like you know this conversation is going to be uh, probably about a gigabyte for like forty ish minutes of chatting. Uh, does, does that then like exponentially compound if you have three people who all have to go through a turn server and now it costs I don't know like three dollars for an hour long call like uh, it, do you care is have you run the numbers of like at, at the scale that you're working at if yeah if this is gonna matter.
1: So, so that's why i did audio because audio is way is super cheap compared uh, to video yeah, yeah. Um, because it's much lower bandwidth it's basically like i don't care even at 40 cents okay video cool. though gets really expensive especially with multiple peers so yeah. if you have four peers not only did their bandwidth have to be able to stream to those three other people mm-hmm. but if it's going through a turn server like if any one of those people's going through a turn server yeah exactly it's multiplied by three okay um the cost so yeah uh so it can get really expensive with video okay. and multiple peers.
0: Okay, cool. I love doing audio only because audio is just audio, is nothing. Uh, that makes sense. And then maybe if you wanted to add video in the future, that's only on paid plans and then it wouldn't matter.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah, exactly. So okay. yeah, uh, there are some ways you can do video sort of cheaply. Zoom, for example, I do not know how they get video as cheaply as they do, yeah. other than just they're at a huge scale. Yes. Um,
0: oh, and it's great. If, you can have a chat with like 400 people in it and you can yeah. see video coming from everyone I don't know how they're doing that. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, so, so that, that is a, you can do that with WebRTC too, but you have to go through another server called, I think they're called gateways and basically okay. what there are multiple um, ways that you can bind video streams into one. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you're watching a speaker and have a bunch of little videos, yeah. like you only need a thumbnail for like eight people and the main thing for one person. Yep. And that is all going through, you know, Zoom's gateway servers basically, so.
0: Okay, so they're doing some processing of, for the yep. 400 people, yes, there is the bandwidth of like each of those 400 people has to be uploading to, to one place, but then that just goes to one server and then the one server yeah. remuxes that and then spits out just, a, a I don't know, maybe, maybe like a, oh, what's it called when you do, sprites? Like a like a video yeah. sprite where uh, they're, they're <laughs> all just in little squares and then it, it splits it up at the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, that would make sense.
1: But yeah, I don't know how they they're so cheap, basically. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's that's interesting. Well, I guess if they're making their own servers on DigitalOcean, uh, only paying a cent per gigabyte, that that would help, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, Forty times less. Okay, and then a, a stun server, those are free if you're going through Twilio or Google's most of those uh, stun yeah. servers just to like expose your your IP address. I'm thinking like this is like ngrok. This is a way to to make a tunnel uh, into your network.
1: S- so sort of. Uh, well, not really, because ngrok.
0: Oh, you know who didn't run their commands right, I, was, I was gonna ask you yep, that, yep. But... i totally forgot <laughs> cool.
1: um so ngrok as far as i know actually runs your data through their server maybe, maybe not but um no all a stun server does is tell you where in the world you are so you hit it once it's like oh. where's my ip so it's just it's it's, it's more complicated than where's my ip because it's like where's my ip through all the different network layers yes sir. but but that's basically what it is oh
0: that breaks my model of how networks work i would think how how could web is webRTC making a tunnel on its own is webRTC it, doing the job of ngrok and then the the yes. sun server is just telling you where that tunnel needs to go yep exactly okay neat uh and i asked this and then didn't listen to your answer those are free <laughs> to use those servers yes
1: yeah, sun servers are free yeah i, I okay. think you can pay for them if you want you know like uptime guarantees yeah. like the especially Google and Mozilla are like these might go off at any time. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. How
0: amazing is it that like, this used to be a really hard problem. This was, you know, yeah. the, the problem of how do we connect people through audio, uh, and then later video, that's the problem that made AT&T uh, that, right. uh, that, that that was that was a problem that was so complicated and so hard that it made these this multi billion dollar company. And now, if you're okay only serving 90 percent of people you can just write up some code and spin it up and now you you have created a communication channel for audio and video uh amazing it, it, this is what a what an exciting time to be alive uh okay so how how is audio chatting integrating in async.dev what's the what's the plan there
1: yeah so so there's two ways i might integrate it into either async.dev or meeting place um well, so my first thought was actually to just make it its own Slackbot thing. So like in Slackbot, if you have Zoom hooked up, you can type slash Zoom and get a Zoom call. Hmm. Um, which is like a video default, you know, video by default or whatever. I think it'd be cool if you could type like slash room and get an audio call or like hmm. slash call, right? And then it pastes a link to an audio room. Um so that I might actually still build that because that just sounds kinda neat and um we'll see. In async.dev it'd be basically the same thing. So like We're talking on async.dev. This really should be a call, and so maybe we need a synchronous call for this, right? And so just start it up. That doesn't it doesn't fit 100% there because people probably have Zoom or something, right? Where it fits better, I think, is in meeting place. Um, There is something that a lot of uh, meetup organizers want, which is like a way to connect users with each other like before and after the events Mm -hmm. and in person, this is like, this is easy because everyone's at the same place and they just break off and talk in small groups and then the speaker happens and then you break off and talk in small groups. So, uh, what I think would be awesome is if there was a, the platform did that for you. And I did, um, over the holiday break, there was a, like an indie hackers holiday social, which did this, and they used the service and it allowed you to like basically sit at a virtual table and talk to just those people at your table. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was you know, that was the whole thing. So it was like a holiday party. You could like switch tables and like talk to, you know, whoever you wanted. Cool. Um, with something like uh, what I just built in, with WebRTC, you could do the exact same thing like before a meetup event. You could have like a mm. pre-meetup lobby and have like tables with like four seats. And you click on a seat and then you're talking. That's four people. And, uh, you know, you're just talking with those people. And then the talk happens and that's more like a, a, either a Zoom call or like a YouTube live stream or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, you go back to the lobby and you can chat with people. Um, so that is how I'm thinking about integrating it into meeting place.
0: I like that a lot. And I, I can't remember if this was a, a call that we had on this podcast or, uh, before we started it, but, uh, I remember you telling me about meeting place, like, and, and how excited you were to, to refocus on this, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic that like the, the market has substantially changed and, uh, meetup.com is no longer positioned in, in a way to best take advantage of this. Um, uh, and I remember thinking, like, uh, what a what a fantastic position you're in that you're approaching this problem tabula rasa of like, okay, this is the way that the world looks right now. What what does it look like to try to solve this problem of how do you create connection in, in communities uh, when there is COVID and you, it's more difficult to meet up in person? This is exactly the sort of thing that uh, I think is an example of the advantage that you have of like, I think it would be very difficult for Meeting Place to move in this direction of having an audio chat platform because they're bigger and more established and it's it's harder to move when you're that big. And even if there are some upstarts in the company that are like, oh, we should move in an audio chat. Like th- that's hard and they'd have to campaign for that and that'd be like a 12-month process to, to get that rolled out. And you can just over a weekend be like, oh, let me learn WebRTC and roll this out and I know my audience and the problems they have uh, and have experienced this myself and now you can be much better positioned to take advantage of the problem that's been created of needing a virtual way to have breakout rooms. Uh, I love the way you're approaching that too. Like that's a a salient problem of the value of, communities to be able to have those chats and serendipitous communications. That was something that I loved from Ali Abdul's part time YouTuber classes, they used the breakout rooms in zoom very effectively, Uh, they they have a little section of a lesson and then say, Okay, here are questions to ask yourself in this little journaling exercise. And now you're in breakout rooms of three or four people each, Uh, give each other your answers and talk about it. Some of the best conversations, some of my best insights came from those uh, chats and made some great connections, but also just sort of walking through the process of i'm chewing on this information i just got this information and it would be very easy for me to just say oh i got it and i understood it uh but by having a conversation about it that's that's cementing the thing that i just learned and uh maybe i get someone else's take on it and that helps me form my own opinion of either i agree or disagree with them uh yeah i like that a lot i think i I could see huge value in a model where you made it very easy to say like okay here's a model for how you can have more of the social aspect of uh, a meetup. Uh, You have your live stream chat on YouTube or whatever. Uh, Here's how you do that. You post in your meetup group that this is what's going to happen. And here's the model of the the buttons that you push on async.dev to be able to have the audio chat. Uh, And then here's the model of how you do breakup rooms, like step by step, Okay, the call is finished. Now tell everyone to go back to the the, uh, meetup place room i'm confabulating async.dev and meetup i'm <laughs> noticing myself doing that <laughs> yeah uh whatever the whatever the platform is that you recommend uh, people go into to be having these chats uh and then they're able to have these these chats and uh and conversations about uh the the information that they just learned it's sort of a way to have the breakout room from zoom uh in a in a modular way that you you don't have to have your entire thing on zoom uh you and and then the advantage of using a platform like yours is then the the conversation could extend past just when it exists right there uh something that i got frustrated by was having the breakout rooms in zoom uh if i wasn't if i wasn't consciously like noting the, the people's names and writing those down those connections are then just lost and there were a few times where someone said something really interesting that i wanted to follow up on uh and because i had taken those notes and made those connections i was able to go in a different channel and, and chat with them but if that was if that was more baked into the platform, and it was very easy for me after that conversation to to continue it asynchronously, uh, I think that'd be yeah. a, a huge benefit. So all of that to say, I, uh, yes, great. Uh, this, I, I think you're, I think you're you're sniffing out valuable problems and and solving them in a, in a way that makes a lot of sense for the the world that we're living in.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly what you said. Like uh, the, the the second part of that is like after the fact, you would get a kind of a dashboard report of, you know, you were in this table for, you know, 20 minutes with these people. Hmm. Um, and by the way, if you want to message them, you know, click here and you have private messages basically. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that all that kind of stuff is something that meetup organizers have told me that they're really fighting to find a way to do. And so, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to solve that for them. Love
0: it. Uh, pulling back to me confabulating async.dev and meetup uh, and also here <laughs> your uh thoughts about like what to do next how are you framing that what's uh what what are you seeing as next for this it, it, you've been doing a lot of thinking uh i am starting to have trouble distinguishing uh, <laughs> these two different platforms uh how, how are you thinking about that how are you framing uh the, the future of these two products
1: yeah so yeah, this is what i thought a lot about basically um i have several options for what I could do next, right? I could go all in on one or the other, I could try to do them both. Uh, I could, for some reason, do neither and and do something else completely different. Um, And so here are my I have two big problems with both meeting place and async. And so I will explain my problems and the reason why I like avoid going all in on one or the other. And you kind of kind of tell me where what what's going on. Um, Okay, so meeting place, uh, I have people on it. I have people paying, um, not many, but some. And uh, it is something that I think I can really solve for a lot of people. Mm. The problem is, it since it, it's not B2B, it's not exactly B2C, and it's kind of a hard sell to tell someone to either switch their group to it or, you know, if they're starting a new group, what I'm seeing is a lot of people start a new group, they'll have one event, and then they'll decide it's too hard to be an organizer and just stop, right? Mm-hmm and then the per group price that i can get is not that high which means like i need a lot of groups on there Mm. you know something like 500 or a thousand groups active paying groups you know like 500 paying groups paying 20 bucks a month to like Mm. really get to even a full-time salary and so that's kind of where i started coming up with the idea that there could be free groups that sponsors pay for right so like um big big groups big companies could sponsor you know Groups and then maybe I can get some more money that way. But then I still need a lot of groups to be on it. Um, okay, so that's one. Uh, for async, my problem is exactly what Derek Reimer ran into, uh, which was a lot of people think it's really interesting. A- every time I think I should maybe stop working on async, I see another post like, "Why isn't anyone working on an async version of Slack?" Or mm. you know, "Why isn't anyone doing something?" And so a lot of people are very interested in the problem, but getting companies to switch uh, is is going to be super difficult without building just a ton of features, uh, a bunch of integrations, like I've talked to a few people, and they're like, uh, I would love, you know, f- to have something different, but I have 45 integrations in Slack right now. Mm-hmm. Does that mean I have to switch all of those, you know, mm. uh, to switch or whatever? And then you got to get your whole team on there. And then what if it w- doesn't work out, then you have to go back to Slack. Um, I have some thoughts about how to fix that. But but yeah, so those are my two big problems. Uh, I, I like both problems, say equally. Um, I think async is the bigger, you know, if I was going for like bigger market share, I think that's a bigger one, but I think meeting place could be a business that supports me. Um, I just need a lot of people to get there. Yeah. So what are your thoughts about any of that? At a higher level, ever since you
0: brought up the concept of TikToking, that's how I've been framing a lot of my own work of like, it's perfectly valid. And I think probably the, the highest probability choice to be pushing both of them forward, and when you get stuck, uh, stop putting effort there and put effort into something else. Uh, maybe a third thing if if that comes up. Uh, that's that's the mode that I've been working on since uh, like two or three episodes ago. And oh my gosh, my output has just been so much higher than it was before uh, when I was like forcing myself into only pushing file inbox forward. So uh, it's perfectly fine being in this point of like not knowing what the the best thing to work on is and just push forward uh, when inspiration strikes and when there's low hanging fruit of, okay, let's figure out WebRTC and integrate that 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 would be a ton of fun. Uh, the, the, the spot that you're in, and the way that you're working on I, I, I think is perfectly fine. I don't I don't see a problem currently. Um, n- let me let me start with async. Uh, the problem of Having to rebuild feature parity with 45 Slack integrations is impossible. That's not a thing that you can do. Uh, yep. And I remember reading Derek Grimer's post, and I'll link that in the show notes too, of the reason why he stopped working on his thing. I forgot what it was called. Uh, level? Level, yes. Uh, that, that, but that same problem of like, he, as a single developer, you, you cannot build feature parity. That, that just doesn't make sense. And the way around that, I, I think, is you niche down, you you make the problem that you're addressing much smaller. Uh, the, there's a reason why there are 45 slack integrations. And it's that uh, this person had 45 problems. And the easiest way for them to solve those 44 problems was to pull it all into this one tool. That was just the, the uh, easiest way to do it. Uh, take one of those problems. That's your favorite problem. That's a problem that excites you. That uh, is, a, is an interesting problem. Maybe it's this thing of like being able to jump into a asynchronous audio chat and make your tool the best way to get that done so that the next time someone's out there looking for a tool of I am hosting a conference and uh, no one at my conference is currently in Slack uh, or maybe they are, but uh, no one's no one's very active. But like I'm, I'm hosting this event and i would like a way that my participants can connect in between sessions and then be able to continue that discussion uh outside of the session uh what's the best way for me to do that if you are positioned there as the best way to solve that problem and the easiest integration that that's it's even easier than if you added another slack integration uh okay well now you've niched yourself down to this problem and now you start collecting users and then you can slowly grow into adjacent problems of, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe asynchronous conferences is, is a is a thing that uh, would make sense of, if you have that feature set, and you have people who are using it and loving it, then it's, it's easy to grow into that adjacent possible space. Uh, but you've, you've correctly identified, like Derek Rimer said that you can't attack Slack head on, it's too big. Uh, yeah. it, it's doing too much to to try to build something that was a replacement for slack wouldn't make sense don't don't make a replacement for slack make a re- make a make a solution to a problem that some people are currently using slack for uh, and that's not a straightforward problem that's like that requires deep industry knowledge of what all these extensions and integrations are being used for and who the type of person is who's using them and what the how they're framing the problem uh, but just just chipping away at it piece by piece i think it's the the way forward on that on meeting place uh i think i, I think i want to hear more about that uh 20 a month seems like nothing That, that seems <laughs> like you're you're attracting uh b2c type people that's that's a that's a consumer price yeah. uh I'd be curious about like, who, who are the people who you could be charging $100 a month that, that they find that interesting? Yeah. Uh, also some clever things you could be doing of like, maybe maybe one of these products becomes more valuable than the other. And then you just make one of them free and a, a lead magnet uh, into the other one. Um, I like also the concept of sponsorships. I don't know what's what? Uh, how, how are you currently selling meeting place? What? What? Who is meeting place for? And what problem is it solving?
1: Yeah. So I thought a lot about this too. So, okay. So meeting place was originally built as a meetup replacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way meetup makes money is they charge organizers. There's two ways. They charge organizers monthly fee, right. To run the groups. And then they charge, they have this meetup pro thing where big companies can run like a thousand groups all across the world. Um, and they charge them more money per group basically. So my first thought was to replicate that model. So I charge the organizers, uh, uh, monthly fees. So right now, it's twelve bucks a month um, because I didn't have like feature parity with Meetup. Even I think I can increase that now, right? But not very much because the people who run meetups are like they're kind of like me when I started my meetup. Like I was just a developer. I wanted a meetup to exist in my area for React, so I created it. I was probably willing to spend about twenty bucks a month to make that mm-hmm. happen. Um, there are a ton, a ton, a ton of developer meetups like that. Um, other meetups too, but. Most developer meetups are something like that it's just some person running it Mm -hmm. the other kind is uh, companies who run meetups um well and so i'll say something else about the other developer meetups almost always they eventually get a sponsor to to pay for the meetup costs and then like usually food or whatever and that sponsor is almost always a company by the time they get a sponsor though they've already had to sign up and like start the group generally um sponsors are willing to pay like like once they pay anything they might as well pay you know a 100 bucks a month like whatever it doesn't matter to them really Mm -hmm. but to get the initial group going you have to get the person to like start it yep um that is why i thought if they're gonna so yeah so i could keep going with like trying to get people to pay 20 bucks a month and then eventually they get that on a corporate card right or that is kind of why i thought uh, i could just offer that level for free Mm -hmm. and then do this external sponsorship thing um or it's, it's kind of who I want to serve. So that, that is me serving that audience. The mm. other one is the brands. So if I go after brands, then they're the ones willing to pay, you know, a hundred to a thousand dollars a group, you know, for some of the giant ones. Mm. Um, but it's more like an enterprise sale. It's very, you know, so it's, it's, and I wouldn't be serving the, like the developer meetup groups that I started the thing for. Um, yeah. So it's who who I want to serve, who has the money, and it's kind of the process, like how the things, how, how the thing happens, which is what makes it all challenging.
0: Mm-hmm. Enterprise sales sounds gross. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be easier with a, a co-founder who uh, liked that and, and already had those right. connections. Um, okay, this is very interesting. I, It sounds to me like there is much more potential in offering this as a free product, and just optimizing for like, uh, this makes it easy to do the things that you could do with meetup. And then make money from the sponsorships of like a, a problem that I could see having as a organizer of these events and like how hard is it to be an organizer you gotta get the word out yeah. and make events and schedule it and like i'm doing this for free as a volunteer just because i like this and now also you want me to pay 20 out of my own pocket to do right. this thing or like oh my gosh well, i'll just make a facebook group yep. um but if if you could come to me and say hey uh you're a developer. You want to have a meetup. Fantastic. Great. I like people like you. Thank you so much for the service you're doing for the world because it's community and you get to know people and you get much more connections and it's great. Uh, here's my guide for how to start this. If you've never done it before or if you've done this in person, here's my guide for like how to transition to having a virtual. Uh, here's a fun little info product for like how to get speakers at your events for things that, uh, people will be interested in. By the way, if you have a collection of talks, here's this separate thing that I made that'll help you have asynchronous talks, uh, among your audience while it's going on. And then you trust me and I've helped you and, uh, you, you've been able to run a few successful things. Now I come in and say, you've done all this work. Thank you so much would you be interested in a sponsorship, I would love to facilitate a sponsorship for you. uh, So that maybe you get paid, maybe, uh, you know, you, you become the person who connects the sponsor with the organizer that like, if I'm if I'm hosting a react, uh, meetup, uh, you help me get there. And you help me get my first 10 people in the meetup and uh, have continual recurring things. And then I see a banner on my dashboard, and I get an email that says, Hey, facebook would like to sponsor your event they'd like to send you a hundred dollars all you have to do is whatever here's the standard agreement you mentioned right. that the event sponsored by facebook and say uh if any of you react developers are looking for a new job uh here's the way to do that through facebook uh that's that's the most obvious vector of attack that i can see for making money doing it in a non-corporate way uh that might get fun too with like if it's for developers specialized in the technology maybe you make money through uh like the the oh i forgot the, the correct name for it but like headhunter fees of yeah. uh if, if you get someone hired at a job that you, you get like a thousand dollars for referring them uh i i could also see that working out How, does any of that resonate with you what are, you, what are your thoughts
1: yeah, so that's basically my thought is that if I offer it for free and do sponsors, it basically turns into a giant job ad thing, right? Yeah. It's like uh, that's basically why. Uh, well, there's two reasons why companies sponsor developer meetups. Uh, one is for jobs, right? And the other is just uh, if they, are, you know, like want to provide goodwill, like for the area or whatever. A lot of local yeah. meetups are sponsored by local companies who just, you know, and, and that's ultimately for jobs too. Really, it's like right. you know, we're we're positive citizens. Come work for us, basically. Um, yeah. And that, so the headhunter thing is interesting. Uh, so do you know what the company triple Byte?
0: Um, Oh, I've heard them advertise on podcasts, I think.
1: Yeah. So they are basically a recruiting firm too. Um, and companies like them, so they have one and companies like them, recruiters like them have really high, like if you place a person through them, then you get like a lot of money, like mm. several thousand dollars. Wow. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so it could be, you know, basically a funnel for recruiters essentially, yeah, i'd have to think about how if you know you got to do that in a non uh non-spammy way you know like i'd have to think about that but um but yes i mean that's where the money is is getting people jobs
0: cool okay well then those are my ideas for uh pushing that forward <laughs> uh and also like do what you want i, I think i've i've become much right. more comfortable in The space of not having a grand vision of what I want to do and just uh, trusting my intuition more of like the work that's most exciting to me uh, going forward uh, has uh, it's it's led me to good, exciting places Uh, like this whole like (laughs) I've invented like a, a media editing pipeline uh, yeah. over the last few months that I had no plans to do, uh, earlier in 2020 and it just sort of happened. And now I'm, I have all these thoughts about like, maybe this is a separate product or maybe this integrates with another, another product, but that it's, it's the work that I'm finding so much more enjoyable, uh, that like, I think I, I feel very fortunate to be in a situation where I have file inbox, this product that's making enough money for me to live on that. Like, uh, it's, it's not a lot of money. I'm not, I'm not becoming like, Filthy rich based on the the proceeds of this, but it's it's given me enough time and freedom to be able to think about uh, what direction do I want to be going in and like oh my gosh, I so much more prefer the reality where I can work on the work that's most exciting to me uh, instead of the work that I need to be doing to be maximizing for for money um, and like that's of well what am I trying to say <laughs> uh, to prevent finding myself in a situation where i'm doing something that i don't want to be doing to make money i think it's important for me to be paying attention to the the feelings of inspiration of if i'm actually enjoying the work that i'm doing in trying to find the thing that's going to make me money that's that's not a fully digested thought let me let me that's chew fun. on that I'll, I'll have a better yeah
1: no i understand what you're saying and i'm i'm in a similar but quite different situation where i have some runway because of my consulting i saved my consulting stuff and i yeah. feel like i could get a, another consulting gig kind of whenever i want but yeah. i have a finite runway and so yes. i you know i need to make something happen that's you know part of this thing like maybe a meetup replacement is an awesome long-term play but if i can't get that up and running in a year then you know i'm gonna have to abandon it for something else or you know keep it running on the side basically yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah i have i don't have something i I have some residual money. I, I, I do egghead courses. I do like other things. Um, so I have some money coming in, but it's definitely not enough to to pay my bills. So yeah, uh,
0: a... that's a that's a higher pressure situation. Um, so I guess I guess thinking about that within that context of uh, what's what's the way that you could build up passive income the quickest uh, between these two projects or or maybe a third project. Um,
1: well, that's that's some. Well, so like I had the idea to do a course about how to get into consulting right that was mm. a, a lot of the idea of, uh, behind that would be a be another passive income stream yeah let me work on other things
0: yep, yep. yeah i like that that sounds like a, a good thing to but spend it's also a big distraction energy.
1: from everything else <laughs> i want to do so
0: maybe i we, we had touched on this last episode but i think all of the things that you're working on it sounds like are, are all serving the same audience uh i don't i don't know that i would frame it as a as a distraction it's you it, it's all it's all going in the direction of helping the same sort of person uh right cool
1: all right well, that was a lot about me How, how about <laughs> yeah. you? what have you done recently and uh what are you looking to do
0: The thing that I mentioned in the last episode of the uh native mac os app to be able to put a camera of myself on the screen I made it and I love it uh <laughs> instead of camboy <laughs> everyone I I was on a I was on a walk in the morning, just like brainstorming name ideas. And they're like, "Oh, Camboy, yeah, that, that sounds right." And bought the domain name on my phone. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't like consciously thought through it until our episode last week. Uh, and I've told that name to, to a few people since then. They're like, "No, no, that's a terrible." Yeah. So Camhead yeah. uh, is it's like a a head cam, yes. uh, which I guess that could be dirty also, but uh, is is less so. Less so, uh, yes. Less. <laughs> So camhead.app app uh, is where this is going to live, and I love it. I've I've recorded like four or five different uh, little talking head style videos since doing this, and the workflow is oh, it's so nice. And I I, I've got keyboard shortcuts for everything. Of like, I have the idea for a video I want I want to record, and I hit a keyboard shortcut to change my screen resolution. Uh, and I also need to pull up my dock because on the new M1 MacBooks, you can't change your screen to, to 1080p resolution. But that's uh, 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 a problem I figured <laughs> out. Uh, and then I have a uh, command on the terminal that uses the screen record app that I just type SR and hit enter and it does a little countdown and then starts recording. And then I do the video and I just do it live. And if I made a mistake, I'm recording these short enough that I can just do multiple takes. So I hit stop and then I hit start again. And as soon as I hit stop, it opens up the folder where the video is and then goes through processing it of uh, my audio is slightly off from the m1. I don't know if people watching this on YouTube can tell this is a, a thing I haven't figured out <laughs> yet. But it's it's a quarter of a second off. Mm. Uh, the audio is a quarter of a second ahead of my video. So on the talking head videos, that's pretty easy to just shift that over by a quarter of a second. And then I crop it so it's in uh, 16 by 9 resolution. Uh, and then a the thing that I love is that that automatically uploads to YouTube. So, like, ooh, it's so nice. And the, the workflow of, like, the, that transition between the, the small, my head in the corner, and the big, uh, it's entirely my face. It's oh, I, I had all these ideas about like, <laughs> am I going to do this based on uh, keyboard and mouse movement? And that was looking to be really complicated in Swifts uh, of mm-hmm. how to do that system wide, I think I would need to build accessibility features of that I have access mm-hmm. to the keyboard and mouse all the time or something. And what I found was, it's a really good workflow to just when I want when I want full screen video, and currently the, the little head is in the bottom corner, I just mouse over the video and then it expands to full screen with this beautiful animation. Ooh, animations in <laughs> Cocoa are just so easy. It was just a Boolean value of like, oh, go from here to here and uh, animate it too. That'd be great. Uh, it's so much easier than when I was doing it in in JavaScript. Uh, and then once I'm in full video, I just click, and then it uh, shrinks back to the the smaller video. So like, oh man, it's I love the the output of those. It's exactly what I wanted there's no processing of switching back and forth between between the two angles. There's no funny business of figuring out the the audio syncing and or retiming it. There's no cropping even I have to do with the videos because I know exactly when it stops and I know when it ends so I can make it nice and tight. Uh, I love it. And this is now going to feed into my workflow. I've been stalled on. a I started a, a coding class based on a, a TEDx talk I gave uh, like eight years ago of teaching people how to learn to code, just like basic HTML, CSS and JavaScript. And I was stalled on that because the workflow that I used to make the original videos depended on this extra computer. I, I built like this video editing uh, Linux machine that was using OBS and I was using a camera and plugged into that and also the output from my computer. And that was, a, it was just a lot. It's a lot of moving pieces. It's a lot of wires. I have to think about moving it back and forth. And now I've brought that entire workflow into my computer and the output is better than it was with that huge outrageous OBS setup. So, ooh, now that I've made this machine that can just, I can I can spit out these videos, uh, the friction is removed. And now there's all this built up pressure of the videos that I wanted to make for this course. They're just gonna start flowing out. Uh, and now anytime I have the, the impetus of like, oh, this is a fun thing that would make a good tutorial. It's uh, half an hour is where the process is right now for me to go from, I have an idea for something to there's a polished video. That's only gonna get shorter uh i'm really really happy with where this tool is and side note Cocoa (laughs) development although strange i like it it's it's weird uh compared to like where i'm coming from from web development but there's a lot of very nice things about it of like swift is a a, uh typed language uh so i have to be putting thought into like the the what type each variable is which is sort of annoying uh they have this nice system of uh if if an object can't be null you can like wrap and unwrap it uh, but the benefit of that is now you can have this inline documentation of if I'm using a method I've never used before, it tells me what all the arguments are and what the yep. the type of each one of them is. And there's a little bar on the right side of Xcode that shows me the the documentation for the method that I'm currently hovering over. Uh, I wouldn't say that I like it more than web development, but I I see there are benefits of that system uh, and it's nice. <laughs> yep. so I, same
1: reason, same reason people like TypeScript, um, which I I'm kind of I kind of like not types. Uh, for the same reason but yeah I, I understand you know why typescript is awesome especially on teams so yeah.
0: i see it i i actually have that same thought of i'm i'm more curious to try typescript now that i've been immersed in this environment where like oh okay i i get it i see why you would want uh to to have typing in your language uh it's weird though uh distributing it distributing it is going to be a pain of like there's this gatekeeper now i can't just push to any web server i have to get permission from apple and have it signed and go through the app store and uh, I'm not excited about that. I tried to do that this morning and there's a part of their workflow, their website that I think is currently broken that like, won't let me type in this input box that I need to be able to uh, yep. register an app. So that's, I don't, I don't like that part, but uh, yeah. it's stuff it's like cool. that
1: happens sort of all the time. You just deal with it. On, <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like
0: it. I, I like the, the distributed system of the web. I, I appreciate much more now. Like there, there's this beautiful open platform to be able to make apps to be able to make useful things that no single person or company is in charge of, there are no gatekeepers. Uh, it's beautiful, you, you can just make whatever you want, you can put it out there and everyone in the world can use it. Uh, and yeah. at, at every stage of the platform from hosting to domain names to uh, what language, you— well, I guess not what language, because that's, that's only JavaScript, uh, to, right. to what framework you're using to host stuff, there's there's choices. And uh, it's, it's, it's very open. Uh, i like that what and you, i see the advantages of having a more closed system
1: what you will like though is that if you put it on there and put a price on it people will just buy it and you will just like get that. money yeah.
0: so this is a question i'd like to ask you i don't know what to do with this now uh, I, this is a thing that i built for myself because this is the perfect solution for me of what i wanted uh, to to make these sort of loom style videos uh you've expressed interest in like this is a thing that you would like now that it's built uh do i sell it on the app store do i make it freemium and maybe the free version just has like a link to it it has like an overlay on the video that says that this is camhead.app and if you want to use it uh i kind of like that model from sublime of like it just says unregistered in the upper right hand corner and uh, when I was a student, I loved that because I just used it unregistered for like four years. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then finally, when I had money, I, I paid the whatever it was like $89 to, to get it registered. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? What what should I do with this next?
1: Yeah. So I have several thoughts. Yeah. I, I said, uh, as soon as you did it, I was like, oh, uh, I want that because I want to do talking head videos where and I don't want to have to sync up my, you know, I don't want to have to put that in post. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so I thought about that. You should definitely put a price on it and put it in the app store. Um, freemium is an interesting model. You you could do freemium with uh, a watermark. Um, so so that's interesting, and then have like an in-app purchase to to upgrade. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. I would I would put it in there. I, so I thought about prices too, and I'm just one data point, but here's here's my data point. At nine dollars, I would buy it immediately. At nineteen dollars, I'd probably try if to look to see if there was a free version of something that would work first but then may end up ultimately buying yours anyway. And at $29, I would probably say, I'll just use something free, even though it'd probably take way more of my time and be, you know, like that's an irrational decision. <laughs> but, feel that. Yeah, so, but if you put it today on the app store for nine bucks, I'd buy it and leave you a good review. So there you go.
0: Cool. Okay. I would appreciate the good review for $9. <laughs> uh, and I think I want to try something weird of doing it freemium with a watermark. Yeah. And if you want to get rid of the watermark, I think I'm going to charge like $100. All right, do it. And then if it's a thing that people are using, and so like the, the benefit of that is I would like for this to exist and be accessible to more people because I would like for there to be more video content in the world. That's my favorite type of content. Uh, I think you mentioned on one of the podcasts when you're, when you're learning a thing, like when you're learning how to cheat drywall, the, the. Best form of information to learn that is through video from YouTube videos. So, like, I, I would just like more videos to be created, and this is a, a thing that would make that better. Uh, and then seeing that as like a lead magnet that now uh, more people are going to see that things are being made with this cam head thing, and because uh, it's going to be in the corner, and I'm sure people will ask, like, oh, how was that made? Oh, there's a watermark here. And then for the people who care that there's a watermark, uh, those are people using it professionally that want to that like are making content for their egghead videos or whatever. Uh, And I've demonstrated value, you know, exactly what you're going to get. If you pay me $99, you're going to get the exact same thing, but without a watermark. Um, And it feels much more like sublime of like, you could be using this for years without paying for it. And that's fine. You're effectively doing free advertising for me. Uh, And if you care about the professionalness of it, then uh, it's it's, (laughs) offset that cost by paying me uh, a lot of money. Yeah,
1: yeah, Uh, I I love it. I would definitely do that. Um, the other thing I just thought of is the way one way, so you're going to run into how do you get this in front of people who actually want to buy it? Um, I think you should really look at influencer marketing, which sounds kind of funny, but basically give it away for free to a whole bunch of YouTubers who do this kind of stuff. And then if they use it and like it, then they might talk about it. Um, you could also pay people to talk about it, which is a little more like ads, like influencer ads, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, that's how I would do it because, especially like, if there's YouTube videos, for example, that teach people how to do YouTube videos, mm-hmm. that like target those people, like hundred yeah. percent. Just you know, find a hundred of them and give it to them.
0: I like YouTubers teaching other YouTubers how to YouTube. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. If if they're using it, okay. So um, have, what what would that look like logistically? I think I I think I reach out to someone on YouTube, and I'm I'm connected with a lot of these people through the uh, the Ellie youtube course Mm -hmm, Um, i think i would want them to have the watermark so i think i just i think i'm just going to make a video that's like hey here's this thing i made you can use it for free if you have a mac it's mac only uh and it's free and so if you want to use it you can use it and by default they'll be doing influencer advertising for me because it'll have my watermark in the corner
1: yeah you could totally do that if they're serious though they'd probably want it without the watermark you you Mm. could say something like here's a thing I made. Uh, if you want, if you like it and want to mention it on your YouTube channel, uh, I'll give you a code to get rid of the watermark as long as you've mentioned it or something, you know, so.
0: Okay. Okay. Maybe if you have a link to my app in your description, I'll you give you a code so that you can have the watermark off for free or something that, like that. That deal yeah. would
1: make sense for me. Uh, I mean, you could also just cold, cold, you know, Cold email a thousand YouTubers that do this kind of content and say, "Hey, I made a thing to make it easier, right?" Yeah. And you might get sales. So,
0: yeah, there's more than a thousand people in this YouTuber course. I, I feel like I would have that reach just nuts. by like pinging this group. Isn't it nuts? And he charged like eight hundred to three thousand dollars per head for people in this group. Like he made so much money from this course. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm so inspired. uh I used to uh, not respect info products as real products. I used to think, oh, if it's, it's a SaaS or nothing, uh, you didn't build a real company because it's not <laughs> scalable. Uh, Marie Pullman has a funny story about that. Um, but like hearing more stories about people in info products, it's fantastic. The, the <laughs> and then you don't have to like maintain it. You don't have to manage any servers. It's you, you just record some videos and throw it up there and you're helping people just as much, if not more as a, as a SaaS product. Uh, I'm, I'm warming up to the idea that like helping people with a business does not need to look like a software as a service business to to be most effective yeah. uh my my human centered design professor uh, at, that i had in undergrad would be very proud of me right now because in my assignments there i was notorious for just like every problem that we had it was like how do we how do we better manage uh, uh, nursing home care or like nursing home uh, communities? Software. Software. Yeah, that was my go to. <laughs> Just like every problem. I was like, well, here's an app you could build to, to solve that. I'm like, no, there's a uh, there's so many other ways to help people that, that don't involve uh, making software. Uh,
1: yeah, one more. Any... Go ahead. I was gonna say, if anyone listening wants more info about how to do info products, watch Adam Wavin's um, MicroConf talk. It talks about how we made, you know, 600K on info products. Yes. And I remember being in the audience there and everyone was basically like, oh, info products are a thing. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. one of my favorite microcraft talks. Uh, I'll have that linked in the description also. My my recap of uh, Adam Mullen's talk. Yeah, it's nuts. The, uh, info products are, are a very real business. You can make a book that will make you a million dollars. That's right. that's that's a thing that people do. Uh, it's If you're focused on, like, the thing that you're building as opposed to, the audience and the problem they have and how to help them that's how you get sucked into this trap of uh, let me start by building software uh that if you're focused on like how do i help people the most effectively that that will lead you to a lot of interesting places it might look like software it might look like a book it might look like a, a video course uh it might look like a, a series of tweets uh but th- as long as you're focused on the end goal of like helping people that's that's the north star of how you be most effective uh is that's that's the idea that I've, uh that i keep pulling back to
1: All right. I, I love how I thought we would do like half an hour podcast, and we're now over an hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> the benefit of this medium, we can we can talk as uh, yep. long as we're being interesting. Uh, I have other stuff, but we'll save it for another time. <laughs> sure. uh, so that's all I got for now. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to? Uh, say? No. I think for that's our, it. our tenth episode. Uh, yeah. Exciting. Let's go to hundred. All right. Well, goodbye, and I'll see you next time. All right.